Amen. We've been talking about authority and uh, the keys of the kingdom. Last week we talked about authority and um, I want to want to deeper in Numbers chapter 30. We'll read the first five verses there. Numbers 30 and chapter verse 1 through 5. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath, bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Amen. Wouldn't it be good if you could just still take people at their word? Or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth. Understand this is adolescence. It's talking about a younger person in maturity. And her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself and her father holds his peace, then all her vows shall stand and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor her agreement by which she has bound herself shall stand and the Lord will release her because of her father's overruling her. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes on the subject and the thought of authority, but in particular how that authority destroys the curse. Authority destroys the curse. We are in the place we are today because of choices that we have made at some point and some time in the past. <clears throat> the devil didn't do it, and God didn't treat us unfairly. We had to choose either to agree with the enemy or to agree with God. And that is how we got to where we are today. I could not choose my family, but I could choose whether I would be blessed or I would be cursed. The blessing or the cursing doesn't have a zip code. It isn't because you live in a certain place you're blessed or because you live in a place that you're cursed. It, it doesn't have a zip code. You, you've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired because there comes a time when even a fool gets tired of getting beat up every day. Amen. You can't afford to spend all of your time dealing with the lack that is in your life. You must choose to develop the gifts and the talents that God has placed within you because that's how God has given us a, the ability to be blessed. And so whatever the spirit is that has been given access into our lives through authority, <clears throat> whether that is addiction whether it is anger, it's greed, it's poverty, whatever it is that has been given access into our life through authority, uh, it will create an atmosphere. And whenever it creates an atmosphere, then it, it creates that atmosphere that is conducive for whatever has been placed upon us for it to manifest. And when it gets into your heart and into the heart of the next generation, sooner or later that spirit is going to come back and reclaim the deposit that has been placed on the inside of that generation. And when there is an atmosphere created, then there is then there's strength that is given to it. And there is life that is given to what has been created, the atmosphere. Now it's got strength and it comes alive through words. Words. What we speak, what we say about it. 
Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4 said, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perversion is in, in it breaks the spirit. So Proverbs is also the, the scriptures that tells us that there's power and life in the tongue. Can you say amen? That means when you have a wrong atmosphere in your house, you start yielding to it and then you begin to uh, speak it. You begin to say something through your tongue. You begin to create an atmosphere and out of that atmosphere or that setting, you begin to say things. And it is through that that you begin to tear people down. You begin to, to uh, even people that are close to you. Husbands tear down the spirit of their children. Wives tear down the spirit of their husbands. And then you don't care who you tell off, right? And when you get in this atmosphere, it is given life through your words that come out of your mouth. And when, then you produce a mentality that normalizes something that is not normal. Are you with me? You begin to create an atmosphere that, that, and out of that atmosphere you begin to say things and then as you begin to say things you begin to normalize things that are not normal. It's not normal to act crazy all the time. <laughs> it's not normal to do a lot of things that we do today. You know, I could, I could go off on a rabbit trail here and say all kinds of things that are not normal that we have normalized today, right? Uh, and, and, and concerning the church, uh, one thought comes to me, it's not normal to come to church just once a month. I mean, you know, we got work and we understand those kind of things, but it's become normal. It, I scratch my head wondering how people decide when they're going to come to church. You know, whenever I was, our house, Johnny, it was, it, 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 the atmosphere was, it's Sunday, you going to church. You didn't even have to think about it. You, Sunday, you going to church. Because that was, that was what was normal in our house, right? And so, but we've normalized things like that. And we, and, and we have allowed these things to begin to infiltrate into another generation. Now you say, what's wrong with that, Pastor? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Whenever we do not put priority on the house of God, the next generation don't even think it's in. We, all you got to do is come on Sunday and Easter, Christmas and Easter. Because there is no value in coming to the house of God. We've normalized something that's not normal, right? Now, if you're married, how does that work for you? You just go home two times a year. <laughs> See how that works for you, right? But if we're married to Christ, huh? Come on, somebody. Then we ought to want to come to the place of fellowship, relationship, right? I gotta quit. Amen. But we, we normalize things that are not normal in an atmosphere that we begin to speak into and talk about those things. And now you, you grow up and, and, and being convinced that, that it's okay, that it's all right. You begin to be convinced that, that, that it is all normal to have strife in your house. It's normal to fuss and to fight and to flip out and trip out. And all the time these things are going on. And that may be your experience. And a curse makes you normalize your experience. Well, everybody's doing it. No, not everybody's doing it. Right? It's not normal for you to go out and drink away your paycheck. Right? But when you've been raised in that atmosphere, you yield yourself to it until it becomes normal for you to do something that's not normal. Amen? And then that strong man stands at the door of that mindset, and then you begin to expect the mindset of failure. You begin to expect the mindset of defeat, and you allow that to become your normal. And then you, you never live 
that you believe that you can overcome. You never live that you believe that you are the head and not the tail. You never believe or expect that you can succeed. And even when opportunities arise, you, you don't even take the opportunity or the chance to, to see if you can have victory because of the mindset that is upon you. And you choose to live the curse the enemy has placed you in and over your life. And you say that it's just the way that it is. Right? Until something happens to break the stronghold or the mindset off of your mind. Now the reason that I say this so strong is because I'm trying to break somebody out of a prison this morning. I'm trying to, to call the devil a liar and tell you that, that you can be free from the curse, that you can be free from the bondage. And when the stronghold gets in your mind, it starts developing a self-created truth that ha have no truth in them, but it's been birthed out of our experience and not out of a truth. And now we have self-truth. Right? That we have created. And when you have a curse on you, you develop a mentality that everybody is against me. Everybody is against me. You can't win because you think everybody is against you. How important are you that everybody has focused in against you? Huh? You see, the Bible tells us the truth. Now, that is the, that's, that's what we create. That's what we create in our mind. We say everybody is against us because of the atmosphere, because of what we have said, and now we have a mindset that everybody is against us. But the Bible says there's more for you than there are against you. But when you give in to the curse, you begin to say that I can't do that. I, I can't have victory. I can't, can't win. But, but you, when you succeed in life is whenever you overcome that obstacle or that mindset and say, I believe the report of the Lord. I believe the word of God over my circumstance or over my experience. Amen. And then we begin to blame other people. Well, I would have been successful, but you got to watch where you put your butt. I would be successful, but they did this and they did that, but I didn't get the chance. But, you know, all of these things, it, it's not somebody against you. And if we buy into that, then we alleviate ourselves from the responsibility of our own destiny. So that we begin to say, oh, I, I, I can't control my own destiny. My destiny is in someone else's hands. And so then we relieve ourselves from any responsibility of where we end up in life. You never lose a game. The refs always take it from you. Right? It's the refs' fault. Oh, they would have run, but those refs. No, you missed all your foul shots. Right? Well, the power company's done, turned off my power. No, they didn't turn off, you didn't pay the bill. Right? But we take on, and we, so we eliminate ourselves out of the equation until it's none of our responsibility and it's always somebody else. And the reason we are where we are is because of somebody else. And if that is true, then we're all in a heap of a mess today. But that's not truth. That's what we have created within our own selves and that's the atmosphere and the mindset that we have taken upon, but it is not true at all, right? Because you see, that, my friend, is a cursed mentality that says that my destiny is in the hands of someone else and what someone else thinks. But God is for you and not against you. It doesn't mean that you will never know disappointment or heartaches, but it does mean that being, uh, being against you doesn't even count. Right? 
Because if God be for you, right? It doesn't matter who is against you. Other people's opinions have no weight when you uh, don't validate them. But they only have weight when you validate them. When you give power and life to them. So you can believe what you want to believe about me. Say what you want to say about me. But it has no power. It's no validity unless I give power to it. Unless I give life to it. And God's word makes your words irrelevant. And so it doesn't count. Only God's words count. So we develop this mindset or this mentality that says that I could have done something if somebody would not have done that to me back there. So now what we have done is we are living our life attached to what has happened yesterday. And all of that may be well and true and good, but you understand that you're not in yesterday, you're in the now. You're in today. And the, uh, and the question is not what happened yesterday, the question is what is going to happen tomorrow? And God said, I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And he could, we could break out the violins and we could play our little music about what has happened to all of us. But me feeling bad about you feeling bad ain't going to make nobody feel any better. Right? I've got to choose life or death. I've got to choose blessing or cursing. I've got to decide, right? And we could, we could do that today. I've got to have something on the inside of me that pushes me toward blessing. I've got to have something on the inside of me that says I'm tired of the curse. I'm tired of being down and out. I'm tired of the way things are going. And I need something to push me toward believing and saying yes to the blessing and no to the curse. And there's something that I can do. I said, there's something I can do. Say it out loud. There's something I can do. The Christian life is empowerment. <laughs> Jesus gives you the, your life back. He gives you strength. He gives you power. He, he gives you self-determination. And I have the power to say something that may... Uh, hurt me or I have the power to say something that can bless me. I can decide within myself I have the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. So I have the power. What is it? The power of voice. The power of word. All power is not given to cast out devils and to speak in tongues. All of that is good. But the Bible says, how can you cast something out of someone else's eye when you haven't done anything about what's in your eye? Right? And so I can't pull something out of someone else that I have not first extracted out of me. So my power starts here. My power starts within me. I can't be blessed until I break the curse here. But when I break the curse here, then I can be a blessing to somebody else. You can't tell somebody else how to get their family together if you don't have yours together. You can't tell somebody else how to take care of their finances if you don't have your finances together. Your power has to start at home. Your power has to start in you. Your power doesn't start in the church. Your power starts in you. It starts in your house because your house is where your power is. Because he lives in our hearts. Can you say amen? So when you come to church, you come to get something. But when you go home, you have to create an atmosphere with your words and actions that facilitates the blessing and not the curse. That's your power base. That's where you live at. That's where you train. That's where you train your children. That's where you sleep. That's where you seek God at. That's your house is where that you, you get the, that's where the power is. 
The Bible says, as for me and my house, we will. Not I, but we. This is the head of the house. This is the place of authority. Makes a declaration that in this house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. David said, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to think about you. He said, when I lay in the bed at night, I'm going to think about you. When I'm sitting at my table, I'm going to talk about you because you're in my house. Amen. It's time to get the curse out of our house. Perverse thoughts out of our house. You've got to get those negative words out of your house. There's a lot of people that come to church and the curse is so prevalent upon them because they don't know how to respond in a godly atmosphere. There's something wrong whenever we know how to respond in other, every other kind of atmosphere, but we don't understand how to respond in the presence of God. We know how to respond at a football game when our team scores. We know how to respond when our basketball team hits the three-point at the buzzer. We know how to respond whenever we get that, that sale at the store. Didn't want to leave the ladies out. <laughs> We understand how to respond whenever we, when good things happen in the family, right? But then we come to church and God's presence fills the house. And we don't know how to respond. We have leaving a generation behind. I understand church has changed. I understand that. I'm not telling you that it's all changed for the good. I'm just saying it has changed. And I understand that, that the weightiness and the heaviness and the kabod of God has, has, has seemingly, it, it isn't even desired or wanted in the church much anymore. But I'm talking about when his presence comes and fills the house. Do you know how to respond? Most of the time, whenever the presence of God is revealed and his glory fills the house, many people just check out because they don't know how to respond in that kind of atmosphere. That tells me there is no atmosphere in our house. That tells me no worship is going on in our house. That tells me that we don't have a real relationship with God outside of a building, outside of a, 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 this house, because we, we've allowed the things of the world to infiltrate into our house, and even our kids are scared when the presence of God shows up. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves in the Pentecostal church whenever the power of the Holy Spirit begins to flow and our kids get scared to death. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves whenever the presence of God gets so heavy upon an individual that they, they can't stand any longer and they fall prostrate in the presence of God and it freaks people out. You don't have to amen me. I know I'm right. You, there, there, ought to be, there ought to be something within us that says this is not right. Amen. There is something wrong with us when we know how to respond at a ball game, a boxing match, a worldly concert. We know how to respond everywhere but in the house of God. Man, our kids don't know how to respond to the, the presence of God. It's a curse. Because you can take them anywhere else and they know how to act up. Right? They know how to respond. But we've taught them not to. Because you've got to teach a kid not to respond. 
You watch a little kid, and they, you can put some music on, and they'll go to dancing. If they can't dance, they'll clap. If they can't clap, they'll stomp their foot. It's true. Because they're going to respond to it because nobody has yet told them you don't supposed to act that way. Don't be emotional. That's the reason why when Jesus is about to die and all of his disciples are gathered together, all the mature men, they were sitting there at the table, you know, all prim and proper. But John, he was the youngest, and he had fall over on Jesus' chest and begin to weep. And because, because he was young, nobody had told him, you ain't supposed to act that way. You're not acting like a man. It's quiet up in here today. And we have done away with the expression in the church. Now it's okay to, to do it at the ball game. It's okay to do it here. It's okay to do it. Just don't worship. Don't, don't get emotional. Don't bring your emotions to church. And we've created an atmosphere that has told another generation that this is just a place to come and to have a social event and to have a little good music and a good little talk and, and socialize and we go home and it's no different than the Moose Lodge. But the devil is a liar. We cannot afford to allow the enemy to steal it from us. Are you hearing me? We've got to wake up and say we're not going to live under this curse any longer, but we're going to teach a generation how to worship God. Amen. You may say, well, I've never one time told my kids not to, to, to be vocal or be emotional at church. No, but they watched you. Amen. I ain't trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to be real. Amen. 50% of what we do is because we've seen somebody else do it. Right? And people, we experience the presence of God, but when the presence of God comes, what do we do? We sit there like a Missouri mule eating briars. Right? We don't want anybody to know that we feel this feeling. We don't want the expression. We don't want to. Nobody else is doing it. So what? This is your God. This is your relationship. He's been good to you. He's been good to me. So I ought to show forth the praise of him who has called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I shouldn't be ashamed of the God. If I'm ashamed to praise him here, my God, I'll never live for him out there. This is a safe place. And if you can't worship God in a safe place, you'll never be, have a testimony on the workplace or in the schoolhouse or in the mall. You'll never be able to do that. You've got to be, break that curse off of your life and say, I am going to bless the Lord at all times and His praise will continually be in my mouth. It doesn't have to be a pressure cooker of His presence. All I need is a hint, a scent of His goodness, His grace, His glory, and I will lift up up my voice I will clap my hands I will dance my dance because he has been good to me somebody give him praise here this morning our young people need a teacher to show them how to live holy how to worship how to tithe how to how to be good amen just be nice I mean that ain't normal anymore just be nice, right? Teach them how to worship. Be an example before them. When God created them, they were fine because when God created them, he created them free. And I just explained to you, that's the reason why they dance. That's the reason why they clap. That's the reason why, because they respond to presence. Amen? So what happened to us? We got calloused. When we was first saved and he felt just the scent of his hint of his presence, tears would fill our eyes. Our hands would be extended. 
our voice would may not be so loud, but we would thank him somehow, and there would be an expression of gratitude because he saved us out of a horrible pit. But then... Through the years, we become callous. Through the years, we, we feel his presence, but we don't really knowledge his presence because it ain't that heavy. And we, we have to wait until something super duper extraordinary happens before we can even say, thank you, Jesus. When you develop this kind of mindset, it keeps you in bondage. Based on what? The enemy knows that you giving into the curse will keep you in the curse. The way that you break a stronghold is you react in violent opposition to the pressure that is on you. <laughs> Amen. How do you break a spirit of heaviness? You put on the garment of praise. When you, when you praise God, you break the spirit of heaviness. Amen. But you have to push against it with a, a heavy praise. It, it, it isn't just a little, when you've got the spirit of heaviness on you, just a little kumbaya ain't going to do it. You've got to be strong. You've got to be militant. You've got to come at that thing with the same force that it's been coming at you. Right? How do you break the spirit of poverty? You, you do it by being a giver. Amen. You, you don't just feel, not just when you feel like it, but, but you give extraordinary. You give cheerfully and joyfully. And then God said, I'll turn your captivity around and you will love me with all of your heart and your children after you. Glory to God. Right? You have to resist the stronghold by, act, by an action that is against it. You have to push against the curse, right? There's something that you can do about it. You're not a victim, you're a victor. Even if it looks like that you are losing, you've got to hold on to what is true. And if you're not going to praise God, and if you're not going to give God his tithe, and if you're not going to create an atmosphere in your home, then you will be defeated. But you still are not a victim. You have chose to be cursed. Amen. But today God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose, choose choose life amen it's a choice say it's a choice when i begin to normalize wrong behavior and develop a stronghold it to com it, uh, to accommodate it then there is a mindset that the people create that hold them in their own bondage that's just the way i am that's just the way the world goes. It's, it's, it's somebody else's fault. I guess somebody else just, just got it better than I've got it. It's a mindset that's holding them until something breaks the force in their life that they say, this is not true. This is not normal. This is not the way that it is. Not everybody is dealing with this or going through this. And that's the reason that I say it so strong today and so straightforward today is so that we can understand that we have the power to break the mindsets off of our life of negativity, of things that are not correct. We have allowed those things to come, but we have the power to break it off of us that's the reason we worship and that's the reason why that worship is so important it's not just so people that are late can come in here we're creating an atmosphere in our worship we are creating something that, that, that whereby we can hear the sounds of heaven in our heart and we can agree with what heaven's saying and not over our own mindset or over a, a truth that we have created. But we are creating an atmosphere that heaven can speak into our heart a truth and we can declare it and come into agreement with it and break the stronghold off of our life. 
Amen. There's got to be something that happens that breaks that thing now. Blessing and cursing can be transferred in different ways. Blessing, one of the ways that it can be transferred is by anointing. In the Old Testament, God told Moses to take and make anointing oil, right? And to, to anoint it or to sprinkle it in the tabernacle. They used it when they anointed a king. When the, the Samuel went to David and he poured the oil on the head of David. And by which he invoked the blessing upon his life to be the next king. There's nothing magical about the oil. Right? It's something that helps us to, bring a, a, to break a mentality that is in us. That we come into this moment and we say when we're anointed with oil, that's the moment that we release our faith to believe God that this stronghold or this situation is going to shift. And it is an outward sign of a breakthrough that's going to happen in our spirit. Amen. The curse is going to have it come in the same way. One of the ways the, of the, for the curse to be broken is that to come into your life through a greater authority. The curse can be broken off of your life through a greater authority than the power that holds you. The only thing that the devil understands is greater force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violent and the violent take it by force. You can't negotiate, negotiate your way out of a curse. If you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. No, that don't work. You can't break generational curses that has held your family for years by a little quiet prayer. Right? You can fuss, you can kick, you can fall out in the floor at home and you come to church and you can't open your mouth. This is not a funeral home. This is not a library. Huh? Even though we come here and we learn this isn't a library. This is a place of participatory services whereby we participate in the lesson so it gets in us and we learn more that way. How many know you learn more when you participate? Amen. And when we participate, it, it, we retain it. it. It gets inside of us. And God says that I don't want you to just come to my house and, and be a quiet mouse. But I want you to, to let the world know how good I have been to you. Amen. You've got to have something stronger down on the inside of you than what is holding you down. So what must happen in, is some kind of authority must come because many times a person can get so bound until they don't know how to get themselves out of it. So God blesses, blessing is he moves through the channels of authority. And by an authoritative dated decree, over a person's life, the power of the curse can be broken. I don't know how we lose people when we talk like that because I've just spent the last 20 minutes establishing the fact that the curse can get through, to you through a decree. And if the curse can get to you through a decree, someone has to speak the blessing. And the curse can be broken through a decree. But it's not just anybody. It's somebody that has authority over you. When you grow up, it's your parents. Right? You leave the home and then when you go out on your own, it's mostly sec uh, secular authority. But when you come to church and you get saved and God gives you a pastor. Now, if you don't have a pastor, then I don't know what you are yet.
But when you really get saved, God's going to give you a pastor. And part of the reason that he gives us pastors is because they have authority to speak, to invoke, and to release, to activate, to impart into our lives. I remember reading the story of Dad Hagen. Dad Hagen, of course, they call him Dad Hagen. He was Kenneth Hagen Sr., and he was a great man of God. And one time he had released his, after he had retired or released the church to his son, and uh, somebody came to him and told him that their husband was, was uh, deathly sick. And he said, oh, okay. They thought, you know, he would pray a prayer or he would do something and, and, and all of that. And he said, oh, okay. And he goes to his son and tells him that this uh, husband is near death. He's, he's had by the doctors a death sentence. And so what he does is he, he picks up, uh, Junior picks up the phone and calls his wife. The, this husband is in a state that he can't even talk. And he says to his wife, he says, who does your husband call me? She said, well, what do you mean? He said, who does your husband call me? He said, well, he calls you pastor. He said, oh, good. He said, now I have the authority to break the curse. And he prayed over the phone, and that man got up out of the deathbed. God gives us the fivefold gifts to the church. And I understand that it may seem like it's self-serving, but listen to me. I'm not trying to get into none about it, nobody's business. I, I do good to take care of my own, but I do understand kingdom authority. And I do understand that he gave us the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, and the teacher, and the evangelist to do the work of them, or to pro the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so, but there's something, it isn't just, I know this, this is culture, don't look at it that way. But the operation of the pastor is to, to invoke, to release, to activate, to impart into our lives. Everybody has to have a pastor. Amen. And the reason that that authority is there to release and to activate things in that person's life is because they may not be even be able to do it themselves. If it got in through authority, then it also can come out through authority. Now God has absolute authority can we say amen but God works through delegated authority right Israel is dying he gathers his children to, to him and he he's the father and he, he begins to put his hands on them and begins to declare and begin to speak over every son that passes by and speaks into their life when Jacob is in Genesis chapter uh, 31, did we read that? Genesis 31 and verse 30, it says, And now, though they though wouldest uh, needs be gone, because you uh, sort, do we have it? I've got this thee, thou, King Jimmy. Dear God, it's messing me up. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? <laughs> then Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid. For I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. And which whomever you find your gods, do not let them live in the presence of your brethren Identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stole them. Right? When Jacob is leaving Laban, and what Jacob did not know was about 
Rachel is that Rachel had gone into her father's house and taken his little pagan god that he worshipped. But she didn't tell Jacob about it. She took the sins of her father, watch this, into the next generation. And hides it, but Laban knows it's gone. So when you come to church, you come to get something, but when you go home, you create an atmosphere for those words to be facilitated of blessing and not curse, right? It's time for the curse in our house to be broken. Perverse thoughts, all of these things that, that have to be broken. Now, if you are a father or if you're a mother and you're a single parent, however that is, if you, but you are the authority in that house, you have the power to declare what happens there. Amen. You have the power to declare what happens there. So you have to be the watchman over your house. Don't let other junk in. I know it sounds old-fashioned, but you got to be real. We got so much mess going on in our nation today. You, you watch the TV. Used to be, you, you didn't even, you know, I, I was amazed a few weeks ago, the language that's on regular television. You wouldn't have heard that when I was growing up. You, you could be safe in knowing that that was what was coming into your house by the way of television, that it was okay, but, but you can't do that anymore. Because demons are figuring out ways to control your children before they get into adulthood. Pastor Charlie was telling me the other week about, about how that pornography is targeting, I think, six, eight-year-old, something like that. Seven, eight years old. That's their target. Just because, because I know pornography, I don't. I guess I don't guess it's on TV. It's not on mine, but I'm just saying they're targeting them at an early age. Amen. Desensitizing us to reality, so we think it's cute. Amen. The first demon I ever cast out of was a beautiful young girl. She come to over to the house, and she was a beautiful young girl. Her mother had brought her, and she had all of these scratches all over her face and all over her arms. And, and I, I began to talk to her and, and said, what is going on here? And her mother told me that she was such a polite young girl growing up and all of these things, and she was just a youngster. And, and she says that suddenly something shifted and she got violent and angry and all of this mess. And I said, well, what happened? And she told me, she said, I was watching Bewitched. You know, the cute little Bewitched. I was watching Bewitched one day and she said that cat come out of the TV and crawled up on the inside of me. And said, that thing acts up every once in a while. And that's the reason these scratches are on my face. And the, I'm trying to get it out, but I can't get it out. I said, <laughs> I said to her, this is your blessed day. Because today that thing's coming out. And by God's grace, God set that little girl free that day. I, what I'm trying to tell you is you got to watch what you let come up in your house. Because it's got, not everything is devil, but I'm telling you that, that the enemy is running rampant today trying to get this next generation. And that's what happened here with Laca, uh, Laban whenever Rachel had taken uh, uh, to, to this and took this sin into the next generation. Right? Had he not known it, he couldn't say anything or do anything about it. And I know people don't believe this is real, but since Jacob is in authority of his house, what he says carries authority. I'm not just talking about natural authority, I'm talking about spiritual authority. 
If your husband is a household or if you're a single mother, whatever the case is, if you are the authority of that house, you have the power and the authority to speak blessing or cursing. So Rachel sneaks in this God that her father has taught her about. And Laban's, not only did he leave in the middle of the night, but he took something with him, his little God with him. And Jacob says, I worked for you all of these years and never touched anything, never took one cow that didn't belong to me. And now you're saying that I've taken your God. So he said, search me. Take whatever is yours. If you find something that belongs to you, you take it from me. And whoever took your God, don't let him live. Right? So he searched him. He looked for it. He, he, he looked and he did not find anything on him. Right? But when we get to Genesis chapter 35. <laughs> you still with me? I've still got 45 minutes. Genesis 35, 16. Then the, uh, they journeyed from Bethel, and when they were there but a little distance to go to the Ethereth, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. And now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said, of that house this isn't something you work up his delegated authority that is in direct line with God's sovereign authority and function in the line of a covenant of God that said you have no other gods before me and he said I will visit you unto the next generation so in speaking in line he says, if somebody in my house has your God, they'll not live. Right? And just because they didn't find it, didn't mean that his authority didn't work. Just a few chapters later, while giving birth to the next generation, the word that Jacob spoke came upon her and she dies. Authority. Right? Then Numbers 30 and verse 1. And Moses spoke unto uh, the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel and saying uh, in this thing which the Lord has commanded. Notice when he spoke concerning the children, they spoke to the head. Now I know that the children of Israel means grown people, but for our understanding here, when God spoke about the children of Israel, even to, to them, he spoke to the heads of the tribes. God spoke to Moses. Moses didn't speak to the children of Israel. He spoke to the heads of the tribes of the children of Israel. Right? And so he, he spoke to the tribes com and commanded them. And he said, if any man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath or bind his soul with a, bo a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Right? Now don't get caught up on the gender. This is about authority. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord and bind herself by a bond, bond, being in her father's house in her youth, talking about that, that she's immature, right? 
the child is immature. And that's the important part of being in her father's house. And her father hears the vow and her bond wherewith she has bound her soul and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand. Just like she said, right? Her vows shall stand. And every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand. This is how curses move from generation to generation. Someone that is yet in their father's house or a place of authority, whatever that authority figure is, and they begin to speak out of their mouth and live their life in agreement to the curse. And if authority figure stands by and holds their peace, then whatever they say becomes legal. It's binding in the spirit realm. No wonder we have such mixed up kids. They say, they live, they do whatever, and, and, and nobody says nothing. Right? Why don't we say anything? Because we got the same spirit. I'm preaching better than you're letting on today. Verse 5, but if, say but, but if her father authority disallows her in the day that he hears it, not any of her vows or her bonds wherewith she has bound her soul shall stand and the Lord shall forgive her because her father disallowed her. Right? The purpose of authority is that you may say something out of your ignorance or out of your lack of understanding. And those that are, if you give authority, allow authority over your life, can speak into your life and say, no, it's not so, and cancel the curse that would have come upon your life. But as authority of that house, you speak and you bind it up in the name of Jesus and it doesn't stand. It will not happen. Right? But if parents stand over and tell their kids, you're stupid, you're ugly, you'll never amount to anything. You introduce them to addiction all through authority. Then the only way that it can come out of them is through authority. Amen. You, you disallow it. The alignment, you, you say, that's not in alignment with the will of God, the plan of God. You're more valuable than that. And you say, no, that's not the show. It's not the way it's going to happen. The goodness of God is going to overtake you. And you are going to be victorious in everything that you do. Amen. There may be many people that are dead spiritually on the inside because they got into something wrong and they came from, it came from their father's house and they bought into it and it brought death instead of life. But the good news of the gospel is that if you will hear the word of God and you will receive the person of God, that divine authority, delegated authority can speak forth truth into your life and destroy that yoke can remove that burden and the curse will be canceled off of you and generations to come. Amen. It may not be for everybody, but it's for somebody. Amen. I said it may not be for everybody, but it's for somebody. I, I understand I'm not a fool. I'm not ignorant. I know I ain't the sharpest pencil in the box, but I know I'm not everybody's pastor, but I'm somebody's pastor. And for those who are pastor, I'm their pastor. I'm going to release the blessing of God over your life today. Amen. Amen. Stand with me today. I want you to raise your hands this morning toward heaven. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I stand as the pastor over this house, as a fathering spirit over this congregation. 
and I disallow and I cancel and I render powerless the curses over people's lives, the curses that have got in through generation to generation, the perversion, the depression, the intimidation, the miscarriages, the arthritis, the diseases that have come upon your people. In the name of Jesus, we cancel it today. You foul ungodly spirit. I hear the spirit of the Lord saying it is disallowed. I cancel it now. I break its hold and I release people from the curse in the name of Jesus. I release them from feeling like the world is against them. I say the blood of Jesus is against you and you must go now and loose your hold upon this people in Jesus name they will be free to be saved they'll be free to love they'll be free to be whole they will be free to experience the goodness of God and reveal his glory through their lives in the name of Jesus I say be free be saved be delivered and be blessed in Jesus name hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.